Hello everyone, good morning to you, hope you're on a walk or at least standing up listening to this, so if you're laying down, get up, get your steps in and uh, we're going to talk a bit about uh, GI today. So some of you may come across this, high GI foods, low GI foods. Um, GI stands for glycemic index, right? So it's basically a way to rank foods on how much they spike your blood glucose, okay? So the kind of... um, what people thought was it'll be useful to know, say, oats is like really high and then you go this other version of oats, which is like medium, and then you've got something else, which is low GI. So if you eat low GI foods, that means it'll help you with, um, with weight loss. And if people eat high GI foods, it means they're going to likely get uh, overweight or obese, right? So this kind of makes sense when you think, well, if we got something that spikes the blood glucose, blood sugar fast and it comes back down fast, you might feel like you, uh, your energy's gone, you might feel hungry and stuff like that, right? So basically there was a study done uh, in 1999, and this was peak anti-carb movement, which might be coming back around now. Um, and you know Robert Atkins in the 1990, 1992 came out with the book, The um, Diet Revolution, which the Atkins diet comes from, right? And a lot of information, a lot of diet culture stuff is still stemmed from here, it's still stuck in this era. Um, so they thought, well, let's have a look to see which foods can, you know, raise blood glucose levels within two hours. And if we eat less of those, it means we have a weight loss. Okay. So there was a study in the 1999 that did do on, on, on 12 obese teenagers. And yeah, they did give the obese teenagers, one of them, the one meal was like instant oats, which is high GI. The other meal was a steel cut oats, which is like medium GI. And the other meal was then um, an omelette, so low GI, you know, high protein, stuff like that. And yeah, it did show that in this study from the 12 teenagers who were obese, that the teenagers that did eat high GI foods, they did eat significantly more calories after that meal than medium and low GI, right? So you think, well, it works then. If you think, if you eat to your GI, then if I eat low GI foods, I'll eat less calories, right? But the problem with the study is, and it's been proven now with like, um, systematic reviews and stuff, which is a collection of review, uh, a collection of uh, studies that have been reviewed. They basically looked at okay, well, if low GI is the factor, what happens when we actually match these meals uh, in calorie content, in protein content, and in fiber content, right? So if we say I'm comparing instant oats to omelette, well. What you do, you're not really comparing low GI to high GI. You're comparing, you know, high carb, low protein with something that's high protein, potentially medium fat. So they're very, very different macronutrient compositions. So in in recent reviews and, and in more modern research, maybe we can call it, on, on this stuff, which was like new back then, but it's not new now, um, is that the low GI diets performed worse, sorry, the high GI diet performed worse because they weren't matched for protein. They didn't match for calories and fiber. So once this happens, and the the recent reviews show this, that matching calories, matching protein, matching fiber, then mix up low GI carbs and high GI carbs, there's no difference, okay? So the GI scale is quite useless in that sense when you actually do compare a full nutritional um, diet, right? So obviously you're not going to just eat 
in isolation. You're not going to, like, if you just ate, ate, ate low GI carbs or low GI foods and then someone else ate high GI foods and you, you're just using that as your rating, then you're not tracking your calorie intake. You're not tracking your protein intake. So no matter what you're doing on those two diets, you have no idea what your energy intake is. And, yeah, you could lose weight, you could gain weight. So, but when you do track your calories and you do track your protein, right, and those two numbers are equated at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you prefer your instant oats or you prefer your steel cut oats. It doesn't matter if you, like, had a mix of, like, a higher GI, GI diet, low GI diet. Does that make sense to you? So, on the surface, if you go back in time, it makes sense. Okay, well, that study showed high GI equals more calories consumed. But only, only when it was that metric that was tracked. When you actually track what matters, calories and protein as well, there is no difference, right? So it seems elegant and valid concept, but it's not. So anyone that talks to you about this and tries to scare you with, well, that's a high GI food, you'll say, well, in the context of my, in my diet or my nutrition, I'm making sure I'm eating enough calories and I'm making sure my protein target is hit. So it doesn't matter whether I have a high or low ratio of carbs, a high GI, low GI carbs, you know, because I'm making sure my calories and protein are hit, which are the two big boulders. Those are the two big boulders. You know, fiber is an important one as well. But you, you have the two big boulders. You have calories and protein. You get those right, things fall into place. If you get your low GI right let's say for, for example you follow someone on tiktok and they say eat a low gi diet and everything will fall into place it doesn't quite work that way because nothing falls into place you might lose weight because you will eat less calories and in deficit but you don't know you for sure probably won't eat enough protein because you're not tracking it. you're just doing low gi so that's the only metric you're looking at you won't really um be flexible in your intake because you will only be limited to low GI foods, right? So it'll be causing you stress at mealtime. And if you do start gaining weight, you'll think, well, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is even though you're eating low GI foods, you're still in a calorie surplus. So it doesn't matter, you know? So there's a lot of these things in the fitness industry or weight loss industry that in the big picture, they don't matter. But if you, you only were to focus on them, you could dissect and take things away from it. Does that make sense? And there was another interesting study as well on... Um, on weight loss and, and obesity and stuff. And he looked at, like, uh, in, in obese people, and I'm really cutting this down short, guys, so I'll link the study if anyone wants it. Um, they looked at um, people who are obese and looked at their gut health. And they looked at this, some, there were some gut microbes in um, people with obesity that didn't show with people who weren't obese, okay? So there, there's two paths you can go down now. The path is, well, maybe those gut microbes were there first, which caused them to eat more, which meant they were obese, or they were obese and then the obese state caused this environment that these microbes were able to, to develop. So the industry at the moment is more moving towards it's the gut first, then causing obesity or making it more probable obesity, right? That's where most people are going now with gut health and all that stuff. They're looking at that. But the truth is the study showed that actually, and it's like a chicken and the egg study, it's actually... Obesity comes first from overconsumption of calories, creating the environment that these gut microbes then develop, and then they get picked up in these tests. So it's not so much that those gut microbes are there first, it's that the obese, the obese state is causing this environment. So what do we do? And what is really the solution to any of this? It's like, if you as an individual can get down 
to a base where your body weight is in the healthy range. What do I mean by that? Well, the healthy range, is it is individual to an extent. It is based on a lot of, you know, the BMI is very simplistic. It's just height, right, and weight and stuff. But when you think of muscle density as well, you've got to think of, like, your activity. You've got to think of um, what your kind of training is as well. You've got to think of, like, what your job and stuff is. Um, there's, a, there's more things that come into play, but most of you will have this range where you are optimally performing. Your body is holding on to body fat, of course, which is needed for survival, but it's not holding on to too much body fat, causing inflammation signals, causing you know, adverse effects, essentially. So you kind of get into this golden zone, perhaps it's called. And that golden zone is not what you see on Instagram with the shredded abs, right? Like, that's also a myth. You don't need abs to be in this golden zone. And I think this golden zone for most people is, you know, for men it could be 15% body fat perhaps, um, up to 20. And for women it could be around 20 to 30%. It could go 20 to 32%, you know, like and you look in those ranges. And your first goal is to realize, okay, well, if my body fat percentage is too high, I'm putting a lot of strain on my joints and my muscles. My body is working all the time to kind of just move about and to sustain itself. The fat cells are giving off signals and this is not great and all this, this stuff that happens, right? And you say to yourself, okay, well, if I just get into a body fat percentage zone that isn't like super lean, it's just lower and more manageable, then I'll go back and check my overall health and see what happens. And in most of these studies, you see this happen where someone goes from overweight or obese to uh, the normal range, I'll call it. And I don't want to say normal range because it does range massively. It's not to say you're not normal if it's in range. You know, I'm just using the term scientific from the scientific literature. So you get into that range and what happens in these studies? Well, time after time after time, most health markers improve. Like no matter what diet you've done to achieve that, no matter how you've lost that body fat, um, you become healthier overall um, in, your, in your markers, right? And then you might say, well, why don't we just rapidly get there then? Why don't I go on 500 calories restrictive and get there? Well, you know you never get there doing that because once you touch the goal, you bounce back. So you're never really achieving, you never get into your destination. It's kind of like there's an elastic bander on your waist and you sprint in to try and get to like some destination across the street and as you reach your hand you get pulled back because it just doesn't work the way you think it does so again from the research what does work is a slow steady walk towards this goal it's a path that you'll go off sometimes in a little detour you'll come back on it but you're moving forward slowly you're enjoying the process you're discovering things about yourself and your mind you read in the book of yourself, you become more aware of emotional eating. All that stuff has to happen. And then once you finally reach this goal, it's not like, oh my God, I can't wait to stop doing what I'm doing. It's simply the byproduct of what you've been doing that you can maintain. So then you get to the goal and you're like, yeah, my body fat percentage is down now. I'm down 5 or 6% body fat percentage. Um, I'm sustain sustaining this. I'm still having a social life. I'm still eating the foods I like. I'm still having a chocolate bar here and there. I'm not catastrophizing. I'm not making a big deal if my weekend goes a bit too much in calorie intake and I just get back to it on Monday. I've learned a lot about emotional eating. I've lowered that. All this type of stuff, right? I've got a much healthier relationship with food and the scales. The scales don't bother me. I see it like a scientist. I see it as collecting data. 
and now I'm achieving my goal. It's like, oh, brilliant. You know, I can I can keep going this way and slowly chip away more, or I can maybe increase my calories now, go to maintenance and see what that's about, and maybe add in some strength workouts to put that extra energy to use. That's kind of where you get to. You get to it in a kind of chill way, and in that way, you're not bouncing back, right? So if we can do that to get to that zone, and then you realize once you're in that zone, a lot of things are moving in a positive direction, no matter what food you've been eating, really. But once you get to that zone and your health's improved and everything, you'll want to improve your diet quality anyway. You'll start thinking, well, you know what? I do like having my takeaways. I do like having my McDonald's. I do like having my like ready meals and all this stuff. But what if I were to substitute like my lunch ready meal with like something I've home cooked? And maybe it's a bit higher in protein. It's a bit better in terms of nutrients. What if I did like not have my chocolate bars anymore and I had fruit instead? You know, what if I did add more veg and stuff? I want to do this. I want to increase my micronutrient quality. Brilliant. When it comes from a place of you want to do it, it becomes easy. When it comes from a place you think you have to do it to lose weight, it's not going to work. So that's a bit of a primer on the history of this glycemic index, high GI blood glucose spiking. You know, you can see how it's come from a place where it makes sense. But really, when we look at the big picture, which is our lives and our intake, it doesn't actually matter. So... When it comes to focusing on what does matter, I'm telling you now, and, and this is from the research, it is calories and protein and ideally steps. Fibre comes in after that. You know, If we're talking about sports performance, we, we, we'll have to be talking about carbohydrates as well. That's another topic. And we talk what's happening with fat. Well, fat, you want it to be, you, know, you want to hit at least a minimum amount of fat, right? Because fat's important for hormonal processes and stuff. But most of us are eating our fat intake fine. We don't have to overly concern ourselves with, am I eating too much fat and stuff like that? It's like, eat eat enough fat. And you know what foods with good fats in your diet. And just focus on calories and protein. And then, job done. It really is that simple, but it's quite contrarian to what the industry is going. What the industry is saying and going down that path, if that makes sense. So, keep going, guys. Keep going, keep focusing, keep trimming off things you don't need to focus on. I love the Bruce Lee quote. Um, he he does he does addition via subtraction. He cuts away at the non-essential. Okay, so he see he saw his life, he saw his martial arts, he saw his fighting, he saw his acting, everything. He saw that for him to um, if he subtracted, it was an addition process. Right, So it meant he could focus more on the things that matter. A lot of the times we think when we take things away, it actually reduces things, makes things worse. But actually for most of us, the more we remove, the more it adds to our life. And this is exactly what I'm saying here with this calories and protein and steps approach. It is, it is a massive subtraction because most of the apps are tracking loads of other stuff. And if you've got a whoop and everything as well, you are tracking way more stuff. And I'm saying, hey, subtract it all. And you really start focusing on what matters and that's the additional part of your life. And it's an additional part of the process and it makes things a lot easier as well. So follow the philosophy, give it a right go and things will work out. And if not, if you don't think it's the right approach, then obviously there's other approaches out there that are more complicated with more data to track and all this stuff. And of course there's, there's things that do work and stuff, but... Um, in my personal philosophy, this is like, let's keep, let's keep it simple, let's do the basics and let's give our energy to other matters in our lives, not so much 
always thinking of what's the best diet and all this stuff. Let's just crack on and enjoy stuff. So have a good day. Live one day at a time, and I'll see you all tomorrow.